0: Hello and welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash to pieces and BFI London Film Festival of... Oh, that didn't fucking work. Well, we're only 20 seconds in and I've already fucked it up. Why? What were you trying to do? I was trying to incorporate London Film Festival into our intro. Oh, no. We're professionals. We're Horror Court Trash Over and we discuss all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema and also London Film Festival. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Oh, now no, that's out of the way. <laughs> Welcome back to our BFI London Film Festival 2020 coverage. Yes, week two. This is... Of two. Yes, so this is our second and final episode for this year. Hopefully, if uh, we haven't upset anyone uh, with our views on Siberia, <laughs> then
1: uh, <laughs> we'll be back next year. <laughs> well, I know at least one person is dying to see it. Yeah. Based on my reviews. We've, we've promoted so... that
0: film pretty well. You're Apparently, welcome. Yeah. You're welcome, Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem? Willem Dafoe, that's his name. I thought he said William. No, I said Willem. 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 Anyway, so we're back. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, this week, um, I mean, we had a great time the first week, but this week, Red Blue out of the park. Um, Although, it's two extremes, really. I've gave a few five stars this week, and I've also gave my first half star of the festival. Yeah. So, but I'd still say this week was the better week. Mainly because it's we it was home to my new film of the year, so I can't really complain too much. Yes, yeah. So, shall uh, we? Uh, yeah. Shall we stop rambling on? Get on with it. Yeah, that would be good. So first up, a film we couldn't discuss last week, but a film we did watch prior to the festival through screener is Rose, a Love Story, directed by Jennifer Sheridan, starring Sophie Rundle, Matt Stoko, uh, I believe I say his name, and Nathan McMullen. Uh, Gripped by a violent, terrifying illness, Rose lives in a seclusion... In a seclusion? In seclusion with her husband, but the arrival of a stranger shatters the fragile refuge they have built. So this was a slow burner.
1: Yeah. But
0: I thought it was a slow burner done correctly because there's been a few slow burners coming up that we're going to talk about that didn't necessarily keep my attention. And I don't mind slow-paced films. I I really don't. And... This managed to keep my attention from start to finish.
1: Yeah, slow burners have to go towards something. Mm. Something of significance. You can't have a whole film that's a slow burn and then nothing happens. Yeah. It's, it's, a bit, it's boring. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. it's boring. Yeah. That way. Um, so, if this was a slow burn, it was interesting. It was okay. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it for the most part. I wish that what it built up to came quicker than it did Mm -hmm. and i wish it was a little more balls to the wall because we've kind of seen this sort of style before i wish it had kind of brought something new to it and I, I, i just think if it had just gone over the top and a little bit of camp factor in there. I think would have made it a more fun film. Maybe it took itself just a little too yeah, seriously. Yeah, it is.
0: It's a very serious film. It's, yeah. It, you know, it's not exactly the sort of film you could call fun, but it is a film you can get engrossed in. I uh, I, I, liked The little Story. And what helps is uh, the two main actors, they're actually a couple in real life. So I think their chemistry really showed on screen. It did, actually. Um, yeah, I, there's some great is. cinematography. Jennifer Sheridan uh, is... Really promising director. It looked I, great. I'd really like to see something else by her. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, it did look... And I, th- I think a lot of films this year at the London Film Festival looked Oh, yeah, great. yeah. You know, there, there wasn't any sort of
0: shoddy cinematography. <laughs> uh, sure, John. Um, <laughs> coming up. Coming up. Oh. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it, it's, it's good. And it also, obviously, it, it is a horror film um the horror is very subtle but it is a horror film and it does address current events of this year um i, I i'm gonna assume this is made during this year um because it's mainly two actors and whenever another actor disappear it does like the social distancing so if you did make this during this year then fair play it's it's a good good effort yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it it was good. I, I wouldn't go out to buy it. No. I've watched it. I enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's definitely worth watching at least once. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have the first film of the Sunday, uh, last Sunday. One Night in Miami. Uh, release date, and also there's a release date to be confirmed for Rose as well. But also... Uh, this one, realistic to be confirmed, directed by Regina King, as in THE Regina King. <laughs> um, I didn't know she was a director. Well, this is her directorial debut. But she's done a few TV episodes, I think, yeah. prior to this. Yeah. Uh, starring Kingsley ben Alder, Ellie Gore, uh, Aldis Hodge. One Night in Miami is a fictional account of One Incredible Night where icons Muhammad Ali... Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gathered discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the sixties. This film blew me away. It was so well acted. It absolutely blew me away. There's so many. There's a few negative reviews online of this, and I really don't get it. Uh, I don't. I don't get negative
1: review. Fully negative reviews. Um, so some parts of it didn't work for me. But overall, it's fantastic. And for a feature film debut by Regina King, mm. who was a fantastic actress herself. And you can tell... The thing is, you can tell that she's a fantastic actress because she gets some really, really wonderful performances. Yeah. Out of a, a fairly unknown cast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, really well acted. For me, I, I think maybe some parts of it could have been fleshed out a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can definitely tell it's based on a stage play, mm-hmm. um, but also it's a very fascinating film. Yeah. What they d- its very wordy, but you know the dynamic between the four characters is very well done. Very well done.
0: Uh, I know I've said th- I said this a lot in the first episode, and I'll continue saying this episode. I don't want to sound like I'm repeating myself, but again. It's- Films like this are so important in this year, more than they've ever been. Yeah. Um, Because now the the platform is there to release these films. And it really shows with London Film Festival. There's been so many films with black stories. And this is another one of them. And it it really does its job really well. Opening your eyes as to what life was like in the 60s. And and, some of it resonates to today still. Yeah. And it's four
1: characters that we already thought we knew. Yeah. Um, But it it delves a little deeper. I I, I just wish it had delved even more deeper Mm -hmm. into certain aspects of it. Um, I'd say this a lot, but again, I think this is something that maybe could have done with being longer. Um, But I really enjoyed it. And it did what a good biopic should do. Or this isn't a biopic because it's a fictional account of real life people. But it does what it should do that Shirley didn't do. Yeah. Is make me want to go out and learn more. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, someone like Sam Cooke, who I'm a big fan of his music, but I didn't really know much about him. No, That made me want to go out and research more about Sam Cooke and want to see more of him Mm. and more about him. Which is, you know, which is great. From that perspective, I just wish the film had done a little more of that itself.
0: Yeah, I mean, myself, I personally, me, I, I don't have many complaints with this at all. I, this is of one I gave five to. Um, it, I, I thought the style of it as well. I thought the style was fantastic. In a weird way, in a really, really weird way. So two completely different films. The style of it kind of reminded me of Bad Times at like the Al Royale. The
1: singular location. Yeah, 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 yeah,
0: and and the way it's set it up as an ensemble piece with the different stories at the beginning, uh-huh. uh, the conclusion we get their different stories, and then how it all comes to one when they all come together. That it, it reminded me of that, and I I really liked Bad Times at the Royale, so that is a, that's a compliment. Um, but as well, at the same time, with the way they deal with the story and the way they use these real life people, it it's. I can't think of any of cars I've watched like this. Yeah. Um, in, in that aspect, in the storytelling aspect. And it really is an interesting look to the 60s. I didn't know a lot of what was being said in this film. I a lot of what was being said, I wasn't aware it happened. And so it is, it, real it's a real eye-opener. It's so good. Uh, honestly, I can't recommend this enough. I hope it gets a theatrical release in the UK. Is it Amazon Prime? Don't think so. Oh, is it not an Amazon oh, production? it may have been an Amazon production. I think so. So it might go straight to Prime. Even better. I mean, you know, especially once you get a theatrical release. If it's on Prime, it's a little more accessible. Yeah. Just it needs some. I would. Else. I would recommend
1: people watch this, especially people who aren't massively familiar, because we're looking back what fifty years ago. Yeah. Um a lot of a modern audience might not be as aware of these people mm. as
0: as we are, because we're really interested struggles in as well. pop
1: culture and stuff like that. Yeah,
0: and, 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 and these struggles as well, though, that, you know, I get it, it's a very political film, and one thing that's been said time and time again this year is, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement, if you can't support by donating to any charities or anything. Educate yourself. And this is a great way of doing
1: that.
0: Yeah. This film is fantastic. And there's, there's something else coming up as well. A, a few, I think we've got about two or three more actually coming up as well where I would say the same thing. Just watch these films. People are, you know, they're putting these films out there. They're using their platform to tell these stories. And it's really admirable. I, I think it's great. Yeah.
1: But I would say for this one in particular, because it is a fictional mm. recounting of but it, it's, still, it, it's still disc- it it's it still You yeah, use yeah, it as a platform yeah use it as a platform and then you know mm. have a look into these people's there's, lives there's
0: certainly something else coming up that's a little more in your face about it, yeah, and thought broken. Yeah. Yeah. But before we get to that, we've got the intruder release date to be confirmed. The story of Ines, a young woman who, after a traumatic episode during a trip with her partner, begins to confuse herself between the real and the imaginary. Directed by Natalia Meta, starring Guillermo uh, Arango, Merta Busnelli, uh, and Daniel Hendler. Why did I hesitate to say the easiest name to pronounce there? Daniel Hembler. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This had a moment that scared the life out of me and Chris, but only because of our doorbell. <laughs> we ordered food, <laughs> and there's a moment where a character screams in this, oh and gosh, our doorbell yeah. rang at the exact Why same it the time. Same it time. scared the life out of us. That was the most exciting thing that happened that in this That was film. the most interesting part. It starts off well. Yeah. It doesn't start off great. It starts off well. It starts off quite surreal. Like, when she's on the airplane and it's like a dream-like... Yeah, yeah. It starts off where it's quite intriguing. You're like, is this going to go down a David Lynch road? Is it just going to be this random weird shit throughout? You know? You
1: read the plot synopsis and it's a traumatic event. Yeah. You don't know what the traumatic event is. The film's called The Intruder. Mm -hmm. You know, all that business. The traumatic event Unfolds. It mm-hmm. wasn't what I was thinking it was going to be. And then after that, it's just
0: dull. Yeah. Really It's so dull. repetitive. So, so repetitive. Really repetitive. It, you know. Yeah, really repetitive. It starts off quite creepy and, and quite intense. Um, and then once you get into the repetitive side of things, they use this one same scare. Was poor excuse for a scare. But, you know. Um, this one certain thing and you just get it. Over and over again, and it's just so unnecessary.
1: Yeah, and I, I just completely lost interest by the end. I'm yeah. Sh- I, do you know what? I'm sure there was some sort of twist or something at the end, but I can't even remember. There was. There was. I, I didn't I see. It. You saw it coming anyway. Yeah, I saw. Well, you
0: saw it co- I didn't see it coming. Oh, uh,
1: I did see it
0: coming. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, that's so. I lost interest. I really did. I'm sorry, but it it, it wasn't. It wasn't good. It wasn't. And
0: as always, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll notice, but we'll say it again anyway. These are obviously our opinions on these films. Uh, of course, <laughs> these are all made by independent filmmakers. You should absolutely support independent film. Go out and find out for yourself what these are like. Um, but if you want to take our advice, then also do that. Um, next up, we have Cicada. Am I
1: saying that right? Cicada?
0: Cic- Cic- Cicada. 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 It's a trio. Release date uh, to be confirmed. Directed by Matthew Pfeiffer and Kieran Mulker. Starring Matthew Pfeiffer. Uh, Sheldon D. Brown and Sandra Barlio. A New York love story that toes the line between narrative and documentary. With two actors reliving parts of their own experiences. Uh, I think I enjoyed this one slightly more than you. Yeah. Um... For me, this uh, was great in the way that it's a, a gay love story, told by two gay people, starring two gay people, and it was just it's refreshing. Can, can you at least really admit that? It was very refreshing in that that's not something you get often.
1: It's not something you get
0: often, but whenever you...
1: Do you get it? It's kind of the same story. Yeah, but this is a real
0: story. This is a true story.
1: You know, I I understand that, but you know, I'm gonna sound a bit harsh now. But do all stories need to be told? Like all of them, when when it's not necessarily bringing anything new to it. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Does it really need to be? I I just, I kind of thought I'd seen all of this before. And that's not to say, you know, I thought the acting was good. I enjoyed the style. That quasi-documentary film style. I enjoyed that. And there were certain aspects of the film that I did enjoy. Don't get me wrong, I didn't think it was garbage. But I I just kind of felt like I
0: seen it all before I, I think it's interesting that this one this isn't really done often in the way that it comments on race as well with homosexuality and how it could be more difficult for a black guy to come out as gay and yeah which for me was the
1: the interesting part of yeah. the
0: story yeah. the
1: one that I hadn't necessarily
0: seen but the story's not told from his perspective no but it is also interesting that it's a bisexual guy which is something we don't get often as well
1: yeah, I, I just kind of, I, I sometimes feel with a lot of gay films like this one, that it's all about sex, really, and that's what it's <laughs> all and these oh relationships are this, all just about sex.
0: This woke us up at well, nine there are o'clock. There were certain points that are quite, yeah, because we watched it quite early in the Listen, day. We watched it at nine in the morning, <laughs> yeah. and uh, on a Monday morning, you know, you're just waking up. <laughs> And put this film on And all of a sudden like, Oh look there's uh, someone getting a room job Yeah <laughs> I, just, I think
1: sometimes in gay films That's What it's all about And I just felt there was another part Of this story that maybe I, I, I would have liked to have seen
0: So can you describe uh, Gay culture in the UK for me <laughs> What do you mean Have you ever been on grinder? <laughs>
1: No, I have, I have, which is probably why I'm a bit bored of the whole thing now, um, because, you know, let's, let's have some story, some gay love stories that are just about love, like Love, Simon. Yeah. That is just about finding someone in um, the world.
0: There's definitely films that have done this better, I, I will say that, I mean, even Call Me By Your Name, um... You know that again. That's a lot of sex, but I was going it, to say it's he didn't still can a pee. He did, but it's still. I think it's still told a better story. Yeah, the films have done it yeah. better. I just appreciate this in the way that it's come from uh, an indie film, filmmaker's perspective. Uh, I thought it was engaging, and it was engaging. It it was. It's not often you get to see a room job on screen. <laughs> well, it was better than Will and the Sex, unless montage. you're on Grinder as well. <laughs> <laughs> It's it was better than Will on the First Sex montage wasn't it? Uh, yeah. Jesus yeah, it was much Christ. less creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Um I mean, I'm sure we could both agree that it should be watched. So you should, Oh you yeah, these it you know,
1: I want to see these films supported yeah. because over time when we get more and more and more LGBT films mm-hmm. then we'll start they'll start to become like normal films yeah. that are nice Romances I just I say to you Don't I I sometimes feel like Every gay film That we watch it, It's always about Somebody struggling To come out mm. It's always And Half the time It's Some straight girl Getting her heart broken mm-hmm. Because of it Or It's just All about Sex Yeah And all And, and that's all That it's about You know, we did Hellbent, didn't we? (laughs) Which was a slasher film. Which was a fun film to watch. But again, it's like, oh my God. Just, you know, stop making it all about sex. Are you done? Yeah, I'm I'm (laughs) going to sound like right rude now. But you know what I mean. It it just feels like the same thing over and over. Let's have a nice love story, please. Although (laughs) I think a lot of sort of... Straight films have a preoccupation with sex as well. You, you know, if you can watch the American Pie films.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, moving on. Um, next I'm, not up.
1: <laughs> I'm not I'm not a prude. I'm not against it. I just give me a bit much sometimes.
0: <laughs> next up, Ultra Violence. Uh, released in to be confirmed. Directed by Ken Faroe. um Not to be excused with Ken Ferreira, I realise you said that that's the exact same and probably not pronounced the same way. Um, would you like to explain what this is about?
1: So this is a documentary, essentially, on police brutality, and it looks at a number of stories of people, mainly from minority ethnicities, yeah. who have died in police custody, uh, either through negligence, Or through police... Violent actions by the police. And it's British. And it looks at it from a British perspective. And I think it's a very important documentary. So important. Because uh, we in Britain sometimes tend to think that issues such as police brutality are American issues. Mm. And that doesn't happen
0: here. Yeah. And it does i would love to sit every dumb fucker down who posted all lives matter in any sort of way this year and put them in front of the screen and make them watch this because then they'd stop being so ignorant and realize what's going on because this is fucking terrible like i it, it was difficult to watch some of this
1: It was. The stories being told are very difficult. Because they show
0: actual security footage of this happening. And
1: it it is tough. It is definitely. It's definitely full on. And it it, it does make you reevaluate how we perceive Britain to be in terms of racism. And like I said, sometimes we think that it's all happening somewhere Mm. else. Well, actually, it's happening on your doorstep. Yeah. You know, and you need to wake up and realise that.
0: When um, when this first started, I was a little taken back by the filmmaking. I, I, it looked a little amateur. It looked like it was you know a college yeah. documentary. But then as it progressed, I, I completely forgot. I completely forgot that it was an issue mm. um, because it was so captivating. And, and as I have said, you know, as you've said, it is one of the most important films to be released this year. It it needs to be watched.
1: Yeah, it, it keeps it basic. It keeps the style basic. Yeah. Um, cost efficiency, I don't know. But it just lets the people speak for themselves. Yeah. I do wish that it did delve a little deeper and spent a little more time on some of the stories. Mm. I do wish it did do that. It did cram a lot in. Yeah, it? It, it, but, you know, evident to the fact that there's a lot too cramming yeah, you know yeah. a lot of these incidents um it didn't feel it it's a, a follow up to an earlier film he mm. made um but a lot of the cases didn't feel completely up to date no i know it's it's seen it's a 2020 film yeah um but i'm not sure how up to date it is mm. um i don't know when the interviews and such were filmed no
0: but uh, it's yeah, I'm glad it's been released this year. Mm. I really am. Um, it is perfect time. Yeah,
1: I'd like to see it on terrestrial TV. Yeah.
0: I, I think it would be a good talking point for people. And next up, we have Another Round. Released theatrically, I believe, in the UK on the 20th of November. Directed by Thomas Vintenberg. Starring Mads Mikkelsen of Hannibal fame. Thomas Bo Larson and Magnus Malang. Four friends, all high school teachers, test the theory that they all improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. This was a surprise, wasn't it? This was... Um, I'd known of... Is it
1: Thomas Vinterberg, Yeah. not I'd, I'd heard of him, but hadn't watched any of his films. Um, so I wasn't really sure what to expect. It had good word of mouth, had some good reviews yeah. and such. Um, but I wasn't really sure, uh, and then we watched it, and it was fantastic. Yeah, it was really fantastic. The acting, particularly from uh, Mads, Mickelson, Wilson, yeah, yeah,
0: is phenomenal. Really, really good. He should be nominated for an Oscar for this. He uh, he should really. I I think this will get best foreign picture at the Oscars next year. Potentially. Um, this it, it, it's hard to explain because it's such a you know you read this premise and you think oh it's just going to be a dumb comedy. Um, that's what I thought anyway. It could have been a comedy. Yeah, but then you watch it and you realize how serious it is, and it, it really comments on how ha- alcoholism and you know, the way you interact socially, sober and drunk, and it it shows you from both sides of the uh, both aspects, but it doesn't glorify. Uh, the use of alcohol in the way that it shows you the effect of alcoholism as well. It's, it's so good.
1: It's one of those films that takes something quite mundane, Mm. really, you know, and makes it into a extremely fascinating and engrossing story and film. Um, The themes that I got was just people trying to cope with life. Yeah. and, it's always something that's fascinated me on film. Um, and it doesn't always lend to the most interesting of films cause it's, it's quite a mundane premise, but just the idea of these people living their lives and just not coping mm. and they find a way out using alcohol and it, it doesn't necessarily judge them. I don't think. No, no. It's not a morality tale really. Um, but it's very honest in how it shows the effects that this constant alcohol in their bloodstream has on them Mm -hmm. their professional lives and their personal lives yeah and it's very well made really engrossing um, and it makes you think it really does
0: make you think yeah no, absolutely. I can't wait for this to get a wide release. It it really needs to be seen.
1: Yeah, I would. I would definitely recommend people watch this because um, it it's universal. The issues on you know on screen are universal. Yeah. You know we're all trying to make our way and find our way mm-hmm. in the world, and sometimes it's hard. Yeah. And you know these the people in the film of found a way to cope with it, essentially. Um, Doesn't work out necessarily in the end, but it makes for a very interesting watch.
0: Absolutely. From a five star (laughs) to the one you've all been waiting for. (laughs) Anyone who's new listen to us and just listen to us specifically for this coverage, we spend a lot of time talking about trash uh, on here and I never thought we'd find that. At London Film Festival. And then we watched The Common Crime. Uh, release date to be confirmed. Directed by Francisco Marquez. Starring Alisa Caracajo. Mecca Martinez. And Elliot Artazo. Cecilia is a, soci- a sociology teacher. One night the son of a maid. Desperately knocks on the door of her house. Or oh, There's a window. Whatever. She doesn't open. The next day Kevin's body shows up murdered by the police. Was it by the police? It was, yeah. Cecilia begins to be haunted by the young man's ghost. Holy shit. I'm
1: just going to... I wrote a review on Letterboxd for this film and I'd just like to read it out. I put off my review of this because I couldn't be bothered to relive it again. (laughs) I'm now stuck remembering very little apart from many groans of boredom from me and my partner. (laughs) It is shockingly boring and dull and that plot synopsis you just gave does it far too much justice because as far as i remember we don't see the dude again do we she's not haunted by anything honestly it's just
0: like weird things happening. that plot is a fucking like nothing happens in this film and i know we say that a lot mm. You know, sometimes maybe we're exaggerating a little bit. I, I genuinely mean nothing happens
1: in this film. When we talk about trash to piece, we talk about trashy cinema that we can make a podcast out of. Yeah.
0: It's if, shit, If but we, we can
1: make a podcast out of it.
0: We couldn't make a podcast no, out of this
1: because nothing happens.
0: Be, it would be, it'd be five
1: minutes. Yes.
0: Yeah, it would be the shortest podcast episode ever. Honestly, there was... One thing in this film that happens and it is the guy, the the son of a maid, he knocks on a window at night, and it's it's quite an atmospheric scene, the lighting and everything, and then after that, nothing happens. It, her son taps a window and they're at a swimming baths and her son Taps the window that she's sitting near, and it gives you a fake jump scare. And I'm pretty sure the filmmakers put this in there to wake you up, because it's the only exciting thing that happens after the initial knocking on the window.
1: There's really two things I remember from this film: the multiple scenes with her marking those two obnoxious people's work. (laughs) (laughs) Those two very prolonged analysis of their like dissertation or whatever it is. (laughs) And that happens at least twice. and then I also remember the scene where she stares at a scale electrics <laughs> for a very long time. Now the scale electrics is working on its own accord. okay ghost whatever. but <laughs> this is so long of her like Ooh, oh my god the scale electrics is going by itself <laughs> and just keeps like
0: zooming in on this freaking cars. Awful. I genuinely could not believe so this is what I was talking about at the start of the episode. This one, even the cinematography was shit. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, there's episode. nothing redeemable yeah, about this film. I can't not, you know sorry. We're, we're not gonna sit here and lie to you. I can't find a single thing redeeming about this. And the acting was so bad to the point that even the extras couldn't act. <laughs> yeah. The fucking extras. You shouldn't notice that shit in a film. No. But these two that these two characters that kept getting their papers marked. Oh my god, the guy just looked like he was constantly trying to hold back laughter. Uh, I don't, I I don't I honestly I can't believe this was submitted for the festival. I really can't. I'm just not sure what it was trying to do. No.
1: What was it trying to do? Because the guy was killed by the police. You know, we could have had the theme of police brutality. I didn't even there. know that until I read the plot. Yeah. It was not really played on that much. No. Um it's not really a ghost story no. necessarily. It takes a long while to get to the whole ghostly part of it anyway, doesn't
0: it? Mm-hmm. It's just really bland. I lost interest. Or well, the final shot is one of the, the final sequence is one of the most pointless things I've ever seen in the film. I don't know what they were trying to say. I don't know if it was a metaphor. I don't know what they were going for. What was but it's fucking. Oh, I can't, oh, you can't tell. No.
1: Oh, I can't remember. No, but it's. It, it's of of
0: that interesting. Oh, and I'm going to encourage you to watch it. You meet your own mind up, but you know. Don't say I sent you. Anyway, from one of the worst films I've seen this year to the best film I've seen this year, David Burns' American Utopia. Release date to be confirmed. Is that in America? A lot of these are out in America. So if you're an American listener, you actually overtaken the UK on our stats recently. So thank you. Oh, um,
1: nice.
0: Maybe we should be giving you American release dates. It's terrible of us. Just have a look. A lot of these are coming out in America sooner. Uh, David Burns American Utopia, directed by uh, directing legend Spike Lee. Uh, Spike Lee documents the former Talking Heads frontman's brilliant, timely 2019 Broadway show based on his recent album and tour of the same name. I'm going to let you start this off because you're the Talking Heads. Yes. So I talk- mean, I'm, I'm a Talking Heads fan, but you are... Uh, Talking Heads is Talkin my
1: favourite band ever. And I love David Byrne. I, I, I like the majority of his solo stuff. And I like Spike Lee so for this for this not to have gotten five stars, it would have to have be pretty bad. um Thankfully, for us, it was fantastic. yeah I loved I loved all of it mm-hmm. actually. um I really enjoyed the stage because essentially what Spike Lee's doing is filming the stage yeah. production. um but the way that Spike Lee films it. You get... You feel, like, really close and kind of, like, part of it. Yeah. So David Byrne is slowly, very much like Stop Making Sense, slowly joined on stage by more and more musicians Yeah, as he goes through uh, monologues and songs. Mm. And the way Spike Lee really gets the camera involved in it all and the way it's edited... You kind of really get the sense of a personality from these musicians who, who aren't the ones doing the monologues. It's David Byrne, who's always charismatic. You know, mm. he's, he's always charming. But at the end of it, you kind of feel like you know all of the musicians on stage. Yeah. You, you recognise their faces. They're not just these people behind playing instruments. They're really part of the show, and that really helps. And uh, there's there's women there's um, a man in makeup
0: you know It's the most diverse band it's diverse I've ever seen. that's the word I want it's the most diverse band I've ever seen there's people from all over the world in that band
1: yeah and he's he's made a point of bringing people in from all over the world mm. and to really sort of diversify the band mm. the musicians. And I just and I love the songs and I love the staging,
0: and it's just this like a real good watch. It really is. It's very cinematic. It 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 genuinely feels like a film, um, and the set list. The way he's worked the set list um, for this stage show. It feels like... It's it's not particularly... It's not in order of American Utopia. In fact, the whole American Utopia isn't even included. It's stuff from all of his solo career. stuff from Talking Heads. And the way he's mapped it out on the setlist, it, it feels like it's telling a story. Yeah. Um, and there's a Janelle um, Monet cover that he does. And he mentions it's a protest song. And he said... He, he asked for permission, because he's a white man of a certain age, he asked for permission whether he could perform it. Uh, and, and as he performs his song, we get... Would um, would you like to explain this a little better? I feel like I can't word it.
1: Um, so it, it's right. it's uh, the protest song that Janelle Monet did. Um, I do forget the name. I'm sorry. Um, but it, it's it's essentially like a chant song. Yeah. Um, and it speaks the name of victims, um, v- victims of racial prejudice and you know police brutality and such. And it you know, recounts their name and says, say their name, say their mm. name. And it, it's quite a, it's a powerful moment
0: yeah. in it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but we get the families of the people whose names are yeah, saying uh, holding yeah. pictures of these people. And I thought that's just a, such a powerful touch. Yeah, we, we see their faces. And, and of course, um, George Floyd and some other victims that that, that have happened since uh, this was filmed. Spike Lee has added that in extra this year. Uh, to this film, to include them as well, as well as a massive list of names as well. It's, it's just really thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a whole, it's my film of the year, and I don't know if class a classic concert film this your film of the year, but I am. I. It's just... It's phenomenal in every way. Because, um, again, I, I felt more engaged with this than I have with any other film this year. And there's been a lot of great films this year, but I felt so engaged with this um, from beginning to end.
1: Yeah, because there's fun moments... There's, you know, thought-provoking moments, Mm. and it all works together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, next up, we have The Human Voice, uh, which is a short film, uh, released on the 7th of November. A short film's getting a theatrical release, which is pretty cool. Uh, Directed by Pedro Amadova. That's Almodovar. What? Almodovar, thank you. Almodovar. Uh, starring Tilda Swinton, a woman watches time passing next to the suitcases of her ex-lover, who is supposed to come pick them up but never arrives, and a restless dog who doesn't understand that his master has abandoned him. Two living beings facing abandonment.
1: Thank God for Tilda Swinton, because she makes this work. Yeah. And it, that's not to say that it's a bad premise or badly filmed, but... It's just her yeah talking for uh, how long is it half an um, hour half an hour so half an hour of listening to someone talking is not <laughs> it doesn't always work but tilda swinton makes it work and she it's in her voice it's in her face it's in her movements and she it just does really well you know this person again you know a very human story mm. well done and made engrossing which isn't always you know possible no no um but yeah i i really enjoyed it i really enjoyed
0: yeah it was it. good it was good um very, very captivating. In that, it's just the person talking, but you still want to know what's going to happen mm. um, throughout. Yeah. Uh, very well shot. Of course, the director's made a lot of stuff, hasn't he? Very, very well known.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, very, yeah, yeah. Um, he did. Uh, talk to her. Um, bad education would that be his most popular film? Would you say? It's a vote. No, bad education. Um. This the skin skin I live in. Oh my god! Yeah. This is embarrassing. I, I thought you'd notice more exactly. than me. Exactly. <laughs> um, women on the verge of a nervous breakdown. Yeah. 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 All about my mother. That's the one. There we go.
0: That's the one. <laughs> yeah, it's it, It's a sure. It, it's absolutely worth seeing. If you know, again, as we mentioned last time, if you can support local cinemas, do it and go and watch it in the cinema. That'd be a great experience because I believe it's got a few extra bits as well. Um. I think maybe a and a and an introduction from Mark Kermode, I think. Yeah, because
1: um, I ain't mean, being funny. I wouldn't go to cinema and
0: pay for half an no, hour no. film. No, but yeah, check it out. Next up, uh, a film we promised you guys a little bit of a spotlight on is Possessor. Released, fuck knows when, and it this shocks me. It shocks me that no, it's to be confirmed. Yeah. Um,
1: it's been out in America for ages. It's been out in America
0: for ages. But then again, in a second we'll explain why it may be having some trouble with BBFC. Not confirmed, but if it is that, it, we won't be surprised. Um, Possessor follows an agent who works for a secretive uh, organisation that uses brain implant technology to inhabit other people's bodies, ultimately driving them to commit assassinations for high-paying clients. Directed by Brandon Cronenberg, David Cronenberg's son. Uh, as you may recall, we spoke about Shivers last week. Starring Andrea Riseborough, Christopher Abbott and Jennifer Jason Leigh. So, I'm going to start as, again as another one I think I enjoyed slightly more than you. Mm-hmm. I think this is up there as one of top five best horror films of the year. Actually, it's probably something you do agree on, because we haven't watched a lot of horror films. Yeah, we have a, a lot of great, but this is definitely the most inventive. Um, it takes a premise you'd expect to see in something similar to, perhaps, Blade Runner. Um, you know, that sort of futuristic uh, assassins. But you can tell this is David Cronenberg's son, because it includes... Some fucking disgusting body horror. And what do you want to discuss? Do you want to discuss um, the erections or the violence first? (laughs) Because we need to talk about both. Let's discuss the erections. So, if this is having trouble with the BBFC, I don't know if it is. I don't know if it's been given a rating already. I should have checked. It's terrible of me. Um, But the fact this hasn't got a UK release date yet... um, there's two versions of this. I'm going to assume we watch the uncut version because if there's anything missing, then I'm. This might be banned if there's anything missing from this because this is fucking extreme. Um, There are two separate occasions where we see fully fleshed out, right in front of the camera, erections. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see that often in film.
1: Not. The thing is, I mean, I'm not one for censorship. No. Uh, but I don't know. They're not. In, these erections aren't integral to the story.
0: No, <laughs> it used to be the fact if you if you saw an erection on screen, you ain't getting passed by the BBFC. Under um, the skin had a lot of bonus as well, didn't it? So oh I God, don't know. It did yeah? I don't know if this is just um, because it's artsy. This possesses a very artsy film. I don't know. if They're getting away with it because they're like, oh, well, this is art. Here's a hard dick. Uh, context is, it
1: means a lot. <laughs> yeah. And, you know... Yeah, it's, it's
0: people being lured to their deaths with erections and under the skin, whereas this, it's uh, very much there for sex.
1: Yeah, yeah. Are we not discussing the scene? Um, Well,
0: it's two, and the The first first one. one, The first one. The first one. um, You actually see a a fully, uh, fully open vagina as well. Yeah. So um, I'm
1: just going to say it. So essentially, the the guy is is hacked into somebody's webcam, and we see them have sex on the bed. Yeah. Essentially, you don't see everything, everything, but there's there's a uh, erection, and the lady's legs are very wide spread (laughs) apart. I my mum doesn't listen Jesus Christ <laughs> but you know so that's not really integral to the film they could cut that out not that I'm you know it's
0: just no I mean I'm, I'm glad they kept it it shocked me um, but yeah so just so we're not spending a full ten minutes talking about erections that's that's our point about that it, was, it was a little shocking um... <laughs> uh, I, th- I think
1: am I going to give my opinion now yeah I'm going to give my opinion go now. for it sorry I think maybe this film goes out of its way to shock and it can border on self-indulgent because of it. Um, the, the shocking parts are really well done. The, 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 the gore and the violence is, is really well done, you know, from a special effects point of view. Um, but I'm not sure if all of it was necessary. And I think it takes a little out of the film sometimes.
0: I don't know. I mean, when you're making a horror film, if you if you look back to like the seventies and the eighties, there's obviously the era where um, David Cronenberg made his name. Um, mm-hmm. Horror films shocked people. Uh, they weren't always necessarily trying to, but they did, uh, and I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think he knew this was going to shock people. I think he knew that. Yeah. Um, I, I, for a second, I don't doubt that at all. But at the same time, I don't know if I can complain about it because it did its job. I mean, I we, we watch a lot of films. We watch a lot of films. It takes a lot to shock me. This fucking shocked the life out of me, like some of the scenes happening. in this. I don't think I've gasped so much in a film in a long time. Um... But do you not feel that
1: the film took away from plot and character... Not really, because there's so do much. these shocking things? Because are we not getting into human centipede territory if a film is purely there to shock?
0: But I don't think it is purely there to shock.
1: No? No, because I mean... But there's... do you think that... Because there's a lot of overkills in this film... I think that's just... Do you think that's important to the narrative?
0: No, but I, I wouldn't say it's unnecessary either. He's mm. a Cronenberg. I mean, you know, he says he's not influenced by his dad's work, but come on. This is... If I didn't know this is Brandon Cronenberg directing, I would have thought it was David Cronenberg. Mm. It, his directing style is almost identical. And it's a horror film. I want to see big elaborate kills. I think there is enough plot in this, because the second act is quite slow. Um, it's quite slow-paced, and it really builds up this story. You, you really get to know these characters. So then when... See, I don't think you do. Really? Not oh, enough.
1: I, I don't think you get to know them enough. Oh. oh,
0: well, I did agree on that
1: one. Because by this point, the the characters are the same... Well, it happens in the beginning. They're inhabiting the same space.
0: Well, let's go from the beginning. It happens that the violence comes in straight away to set the bar so you know what type of film you're watching. Uh And then it slows down. But I feel like you get to know this main character, um, the the lead girl and the girl from Mandy, and uh, Christopher Abbott's character. I feel like you get to know him quite a fair bit. Um... Yeah, to a certain degree, I felt like I knew enough. I, I I don't think there was much more that could have been done. I think that's just the characters as they are. I think that's as much as you needed to learn about them. <laughs> and I don't know. I, the film.
1: and I, I didn't hate the film. I did enjoy the film. I'm just playing a bit of devil's advocate here with Gary because we can't always agree on everything. Make a boring podcast.
0: Um, there's a there's <laughs> a certain there's a death scene in this film that made me feel a little sick. Yeah. I I I it was because it was the first bit of gore we got since the beginning, and I'm sure you know what I'm on about. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh my god, it it was so graphic, and and then there's another it, towards the final act. There's something that happened that I couldn't believe in my eyes, and it, it took me a while after to process what happened. Um, it, it's it's a disturbing film at times. It really is. Yeah. That that last thing that's something you don't see. In films. Not necessarily. No, a no, lot. Not a lot. Because you think it's going to stop, and then it keeps going and going and going. It's like, fuck me, this is really extreme. Uh, again, I'm going to assume it's the uncut version we watched, but it, it just makes me really excited to see what Brandon Cronenberg does next. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I'm a little annoyed that one of the more disturbing scenes in the film is all over the poster. Okay. Th- that scene, I thought... Because I, I had to rewind it back for you. You missed it. Uh, and I was like, oh my I God. I lost a
1: little bit of interest. And
0: you know this is one of those things that normally scares me. That, this sort of thing that happens. If you look at a poster, you'll know. Um, but, uh, Jesus. It, yeah. It's weird. It's Cronenberg by, by Cronenberg. Um, yeah, I, I just I recommend it highly. It's good.
1: If you're a gore hound, you'll find a lot to enjoy. If you're willing to sit through the middle part. Yeah. Um, if you struggle to keep interest, then some parts of this aren't going to be for you. Mm. No, that's that came out wrong. Because I, I don't necessarily struggle to keep interest. Um, if <laughs> you... You've got to sit down if you with, you no with People who talk very slow and look yeah. very bored a lot of the time... Would you the say
0: isn't for you? it's slightly similar to Nicholas Winding Refn in style as well? Yeah. Oh my god. It's like it's kind of like David Cronenberg meets Nicholas Winding Refn.
1: Yeah, of course. The slow talking and staring. Which of
0: course, Drive is one of my top ten favorite films of all time. So yes, that's a massive compliment. You, did, you
1: cope okay with that, whereas I struggled a little more with the slow, staring,
0: bored looked
1: <laughs> acting style
0: also Jennifer Jason Lee bringing it back after Amityville The Awakening fair play to her yeah she that's for cool though to be fair don't she? but it's still that, her 20 minutes of screen time is better than the entire of Amityville The Awakening oh my Awakening. god yeah
1: yeah and don't get me wrong I didn't think Possessor was a terrible film I, I would recommend it to horror fans Um, uh, but just sort of make up your own mind on, yeah on uh if you like the yeah.
0: style or not. It's very... I think it's very love it, I hate it. It's going to be a divisive film. It already is a divisive yeah, film. Yeah, um, yeah. It's been out for fucking
1: ages over the yeah. other side of the Atlantic.
0: But go and check that out. So, uh, next up... New order. So, release date to be confirmed. A high society wedding is interrupted by the arrival of unwelcome guests. Directed by Michael Franco. Mikhail Franco? Mikael Michael, Michael yeah, Franco. I would say Mi- Mi- Samantha. Mi- Michelle. Yep, starring yeah. Samantha Yazareth Anaya, Dario Yazbek Bernal, and Patricia Bernal. Um, where the fuck did this film come from? <laughs> Yeah, we I watched
1: this on 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 a whim, like really anything about this.
0: This is one where we were warned about it being shocking, but still didn't prepare me for what we were about to yeah, see. We didn't really
1: know what kind of, and I knew that it was going to be shocking, but I didn't. I, just, I thought it was going to be like Possessor shocking, mm. um, or just a bit over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit over the top, but well um, but it was it was good. It was good. Let's get one thing clear. It's not a film you can enjoy. No. It is relentlessly depressing. <laughs> it is. It, it, there's no <laughs> moments as there of relief. No. Really. And the, the
0: only thing I can compare it to, because every fucker out there is comparing it to Parasite, and they need to stop. This is not. This isn't Parasite. No, it, it explores it, the same themes, but it's it's. Not. Yeah, but
1: if it explores the same
0: themes, yeah. then of course it's going to be comparison. I would put this closer to Salo than Parasite. It's more subtle. Salo. More subtle, but this is like the beginner's guide to Salo. Like baby steps. If yeah, you watch this, so say, it'll C-Lo get you halfway prepared is for Salo.
1: Very relentlessly depressing. Yeah. Um, as as is this one. Yeah, no, I, I do. Yeah, actually, I do agree with that because Salo d- plays with class divides. Yeah, and
0: the only difference is this has more of a plot. Yes, yeah, that's true. I, I was invested in this, whereas Salo, I was like, you oh, like there's someone you. eating shit again. No, <laughs> there's someone <laughs> having sex. Oh, there's someone eating shit again. Great. Someone's getting hung. Brilliant. But this had something that kept me engaged. Um, Mostly, I I was invested. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It, it takes a turn. It takes a turn. A really random turn. Um, but I, this film does want to shock you. It, but it's doing it for a reason, though. Whereas Possessor shocking you because it's a horror film. This is shocking you because it's got a message it wants to get across.
1: Yeah. So so essentially, the message of the film is about um, social economic divides. And the poor people rising up against the rich elite. And about social hierarchy, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts off, I thought, a bit like The Purge. Yeah. It was, you know, and that idea um, comes into play. If anyone's seen The Purge, um, then you'll understand what I mean. Mm. Then it takes a turn and it gets lost and it gets a little messy and ever so slightly up its own ass. Mm. I felt it lost its way because it was trying too hard. I, In my review on Letterboxd, I did compare it to Parasite and Parasite is very subtle for the most part in its depiction of this class divide. Mm hmm whereas new Order is in absolutely no way subtle no. um and for me it didn't quite fully work um but there is a lot to be to get out of this film it's and to a, think about
0: i think we can both agree it's a good film
1: yeah it's it's, it's well a good film made. it's
0: the 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 tension build up during that opening sequence mm mm-hmm. Oh, oh, my god. Star. It was electric. Yeah. It was it was genuinely yeah. edgy you see. Mm-hmm. Like and even when they were just having conversations, you don't know what it's leading to. You don't know what it's leading. You get a bit of a hint when you see the protesters.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: then when it happens, it is a real gut punching moment. Yeah. Um and it doesn't hold back. It it really doesn't hold back. Um It's so almost like a zombie film to yeah, begin yeah. with. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then a bit of home invasion, you know. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on, when it takes this turn, th- those moments are there, but they're very scattered out mm-hmm. um, across the film. Like there's uh, a, a really horrible to watch uh, moment of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a spoiler. Like, if anything, it's more of a trigger warning than anything else. Um, yeah. You know. The, the death scenes they don't hold back they don't want you to be happy watching this film they, they, they're not making an enjoyable experience for you they're there to make you feel uncomfortable and it does it makes you feel uncomfortable at times mm-hmm. um, so it does its job it's not a perfect film but it is a good film and I would recommend watching it if you can stomach that sort of thing it's an interesting film yeah
1: and it's it's one for a bit of digestion as yes. well
0: Yeah. yeah. So, I don't mean go eat we're, the blue ray We're on to the final day. So, films we've watched... I mean, you're listening to this on a Sunday, probably. We're releasing this on a Sunday. Recording on a Saturday. These are the films we've watched today. So, these are quite fresh in our mind. Starting off with Ammonite. Ammonite. Ammonite, weren't it? Ammonite. Ammonite, that's Armonites. it. I already corrected myself about it earlier today. Directed by Francis Lee, uh, starring Kate Winslet, uh, Saoirse Ronan, and Gemma Jones. In eighteen forties England, a but overlooked fossil hunter, Mary Anning, and a young woman set to convalesce, conva, convalesce, 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 by the Conv- convalesce, convalesce, by the sea develop, by the sea develop an intense relationship, alter and of both their lives for it. Our oh, two women fall in love. Fuck you know. One's a fossil hunter. Anyway, so um, yeah, I was really excited for this. I was
1: as well. (laughs) And it was thoroughly disappointing. I'm sorry. And I really am so sorry to say it because I really wanted to enjoy
0: this film. Um, I appreciated it more than I enjoyed it. I, I think... Uh, Again, it is very important for LGBTQ plus stories to be told on the screen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Can we get some electricity for these lesbians though? Why are lesbians not allowed electricity? (laughs) What we've got, and it's it's the film industry's way though, isn't it? One thing's quite successful, and then we get a slew Uh of very similar films. So, uh, portrait of a lady on fire, fantastic film mm. from late. Was it late last year?
0: I'm gonna say this year for the UK, but it was this released year for places the UK. In the world but fantastic, we highly yeah.
1: recommend it. You know, ten out of ten for both of us. But it was set a very long time <laughs> ago, and this is another lesbian story.
0: Lesbian period drama. Period
1: drama. And there's been a fair few, I can't name them all, but there seems to be a slew of these where lesbian stories are told as period dramas. The favourite, Colette. The favourite, Colette. (laughs) Oh, God, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, so all these lesbian stories where they they don't have electricity, and we didn't come up with that, and we've seen it online, it's hilarious but it's, it's true and i did feel like this was a very very cold version yeah. of a portrait of a lady on fire this is like
0: open. <laughs> if the asylum created their
1: tie in with uh, portrait of a lady on fire which is such a shame because the asylum would never get Kate
0: Winslet and uh, Sasha Ronan it's a great cast it's a great cast and they do a really great job really is I- You'll probably see them on the Oscar nominations next year. I have no doubt about that. As individual performances, they were fantastic, yeah. but I they had no chemistry. No, and it's like um, it's like we were saying about Shirley, and you know, we need to buy our pick. There's certain ways you could do things. I don't know much about uh, this Mary, the fossil hunter. Essentially, I don't think a lot of people do. Did she need a biopic? No, she didn't. Could it have been more interesting? Yes, the pacing is terrible to the point it's almost impossible to keep interest in this because again, there's a lot of nothing um, going on, and she's just not very likable. You don't want to get to know. Her. She's a bitch. She she really is. It, it's like Shirley.
1: Yeah. She, oh my god. Shirley had a um, a bit of lesbianism as well, didn't she? She did.
0: She had a bit of it. Yeah. She had electricity. A bit, bit of a lesbianism. What the fuck? The film had lesbianism. <laughs> in it. Is that a word? Yeah, lesbianism. Oh, okay. Surely may have been bisexual, as uh, yeah. I put it in. Is
1: lesbianism... Or, or I, I, I feel think bad you now. may have
0: just made that word up. Oh, no. It's not offensive. If that word is offensive, we
1: apologise? I really apologise. I mean, okay. Um, where was I? I've lost my train It point. might be a new word that you've created. This might hit off. Okay. Anyway, but my, my issue with Ammonite is that I do feel maybe this woman's story should have been told, but as a woman in a man's world and her being the first real female fossil hunter and how that affected her because she you had all these scientists. So when she goes, leaves where she lives within the film, you see a lot of these science men are very rich and live great lives. Yeah. Whereas she is a fantastic fossil hunter, Mm -hmm. um, but she hasn't been given the advantages because she's a woman. So what she's selling is mirrored, uh, mirrors with seashells around the edges for the tourists, cheap tacky stuff because she can't get money any other way. no. And I did some research on Mary. Ma- Mary. Ab- What's her surname? Abbott? Mary. Uh, Anning. 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 I don't know. Who Mary we didn't was. do that much research on her, did I you? Know, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I don't. People aren't sure if the whole lesbian thing is true. Oh. Um, and she may have been the. Um, the person, but what's it called? The influence for the the uh, nursery rhyme. She sells seashells by the seashore. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Just <is> fucking boring. <laughs> <laughs> but but in in nowhere in my sort of very very brief research online, did it say that she was an asshole? But in this film, she's a fucking asshole. <laughs>
0: I'm, what I want to know is, why the fuck is this directed by a man? Mm. I, I, you know what? I'll stand by it. This is fucking ridiculous, okay? We live in an age where we have literally just listed off to you countless female directors in both of these episodes. There's plenty around. Who directed Little Women? The latest Little Women. Greta Gerwig. Give this a Greta Gerwig. Why the fuck was Greta Gerwig not directing this film? Mm. I'm sorry, you know what? I'm sure Francis uh, Francis Lee is a fantastic director. He you know, there's some it's a well-shot film, there's some good cinematography and whatnot. Why the fuck was he in charge of this film? I just don't understand that. And I'm not saying a man shouldn't be allowed to, but I'm saying it seems unnecessary when there's so many working female directors out there that could have and probably lesbian female directors that could have told the story so much better. Yeah, I just And I'm not saying the director's the biggest problem. I I wouldn't say it's even, you know, amongst the main problems. But it's... I'm I'm nitpicking. But I just think this should have been female directed. And there's no excuse to why it couldn't have been.
1: Yeah, I just inevitably struggle to connect to the story because of its coldness. And it's, like I was saying earlier, a slow burn that doesn't really lead anywhere. No. In fact, the
0: ending makes it pointless. Yeah,
1: and. um, I don't know, is it a spoiler alert that it's about a lesbian relationship? Well,
0: I'm so when that finally
1: happens, it kind of feels a little out of nowhere. It does. Because the beginning had been so cold. The chemistry's there. Mary had been such a cold character. Yeah. It just doesn't fit.
0: The chemistry's not that believable
1: either. No, it's just so unfortunate. I I think we have been harsh on this film because we had high hopes and really high expectations for it and we, we were quite disappointed mm. it just felt like a waste of our time yeah I'd say do you know what still go out and watch it because I don't think everyone's agreeing with us a lot um, of people loved yeah, it a lot of people seem very divisive like yeah yeah so go out and, and and watch it and see for yourself Again, because I believe Francis Lee is an LGBT director mm. as well. So let's support his films.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I'm not saying you shouldn't support Francis Lee. Right. I just think it's unfair that this wasn't given to a, a female director. I just think this should have been female director. Yeah,
1: I just maybe some stories are better suited yeah. to people who
0: um, can empathize more with the characters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, our penultimate film, Friendship's Death, uh, interestingly enough, made in 1987 um, and available right now on the BFI player for free.
1: Hey. Um,
0: so, uh, I'd, I'd recommend, I didn't enjoy this as much as you, but I'd still recommend it. So, if you go onto BFI's website uh, or even search BFI on the Film Festival tickets online, you still get tickets for this on there. It is completely free. Uh, it's only an hour and 20 minutes. If you're gonna watch something that's easy to access, check this out. Uh, directed by Peter Wallen, starring Tilda Swinton again, Patrick Barco do you know what? I swear I've seen that name before on here. because um, I remember not being able to pronounce it before. Bill Peterson uh Patterson. Wow. Bill Patterson in the 1970s, aliens send a female android diplomat to Earth on a mission of peace. She lands in war-torn Palestine, uh, Palestine. Palestine instead of MIT by mistake and meets a friendly UK journalist there They begin a series of insightful conversations. This is basically Tilda Swinton reading Earth to filth whilst dressed like Padme from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Um, this film is not
1: for everyone. No. it It really isn't. It's a singular location with a heavy reliance on dialogue. Yeah. A lot of people could potentially struggle with that. And I don't I don't blame them sometimes. Um, if it's not engaging enough, then that's just a recipe for boredom. I found this really engaging. I really liked Tilda Swinton. Uh, Tilda, Yeah, that's the name. Tilda Swinton, that's yeah, the name. Why am I, why am I confusing myself? Tilda Swinton's performance, I thought she did very well. It's very early on in her career, 87. Yeah. Um, I thought she did very well. She looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. She looked fantastic. And I think a lot of the themes on display were very uh, uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, about, you know, she is an alien uh, sent on a friendship mission. The mission's called Friendship. Um, they've been observing Earth and earth is destroying itself the people are destroying each other and she doesn't understand that she doesn't know why that's happening um and she's in war-torn palestine uh a very dangerous place to be at that time and um yeah it, it's a allegory on you know self-destruction and it's it's very interesting it is very interesting again like I said it's not for everyone Um, but a lot of
0: what's being said is is thought-provoking yeah I didn't completely hate it I've it wasn't my favourite film of the day or the festival Um, I'd still say watch it though I mean especially it's interesting that this was made in 1987 and not released until now um, and it's recently been restored by BFI. I, I think that's really interesting. Um, especially when... Look at how different Hilda Swinton looks then compared to now. Um, I don't understand if it was a lost film... Or just didn't have the release. I just don't think it had the release. No. Um, and I, I you know, I don't think it is a film that would have worked back then either. I think it would have been forgotten about. But um, I've been watching it from a modern standpoint. It does fit in better with modern day than it does back then.
1: Yeah... Yeah, to, to a certain degree. Um, it's very much a film, like, a stage play. I was surprised yeah. it wasn't based on a stage play. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting watch.
0: And it's free to
1: watch. So it's free. Yeah, you know, absolutely.
0: So, this brings us to our final film of London Film Festival 2020. Again, thanks <laughs> to everyone at London Film Festival for giving us a press pass, giving us a chance to watch these films. And people who have listened to these episodes, thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun, the whole festival, hasn't it?
1: Yeah, it has. Yeah, it's been great. We've watched a lot of films that we probably wouldn't have gone out of our
0: way yeah. to watch. And again, we didn't get to watch everything we wanted to watch. There's probably a lot missing from here. That, But, you know, it, it's still absolutely good to this festival. We highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. We'll hopefully get the same press pass again next year so we can do it again. But our final film of the festival, you may recall we mentioned Mangrove, which we didn't get to watch all of, sadly, um, because of technical issues. This is also part of Steve McQueen's Small Axe miniseries. This is Lovers Rock. Uh, Small Axe is being uh, broadcast on BBC, I believe, 1 on the 15th of November. Uh, I believe this episode in particular is on the 22nd. Uh, a Single Evening at House Party in 1980s West London sets the scene developing interwined relationships against the background of violence, romance and music, again directed by Steve McQueen, starring Amara J. St. Aubin, Michael Ward and Shanika Okwok. And Small Axe is about uh, these stories in West London uh, in throughout the 60s to the 80s, true stories, um and yeah lovers rock is one of them yeah
1: um so lovers rock as a title is taken from the uh, subgenre of reggae music mm. that was uh very sort of directed to, to or or women liked it more than men because it was a very romantic style of reggae music slow slow dance sort of music Mm. from the reggae. And I think that's a perfect title for this film. Mm -hmm. Um, This film is phenomenal. Yeah. We were so disappointed that Mangrove, we couldn't finish it off. Mm -hmm. So glad we watched this. What this film does, and it's what Ammonite didn't do, is take... A very light plot and create something engaging, warm, Mm -hmm. and engrossing out of it. Yeah. And essentially, the majority of this, and I don't know if it's a spoiler I don't care, the majority of this film is this um party yeah it's essentially yeah it's kind of they've kind of made a makeshift club for you know the uh black community in a, in a house yeah. essentially and it tells the majority of it is people dancing and having yeah. a, a good time the soundtrack is phenomenal but what could have been you know boring Mm. because it's so light on plot and it is just people dancing essentially for a lot of it
0: is actually really really engrossing if anyone's seen uh gaspard climax that's the only thing i'd compare this to and climax is a horror film this is like climax without the horror in that it's set to a permanent backdrop of this amazing soundtrack uh, the soundtrack is always playing. Uh, I think there must be about five minutes maximum in the film without the soundtrack. Mm. Um, but the majority of the film, the soundtrack is constantly playing. It is the backdrop to this film, and it just works so well. Mm. And it's these these little things like um, there. There's a sequence where they play silly games by I believe it's Janet Day. I want to say you sang that song? Silly Games. I, I'm going to say it's Janet Day. I'm mm. certain, probably wrong, but I'm certain it is. Um, and the music fades out and you just get the, the entire cast singing it without any music, acapella, um, but just all singing because they're at a party. And that scene in itself, it's just a bunch of people singing, but it's so powerful. And there's such a strong sense of community in that scene. Uh, and it really just stands out so much. But could anyone else do that in the same way as Steve McQueen can? I'm not sure. No. It's a very unique style, what he's had here. And I know I compared it to Climax, but this is still very unique to Steve McQueen. He is a fantastic filmmaker. And this is part of a miniseries for the BBC. Usually you get that sort of BBC feeling. This, film, this feels like a film. Yeah. And so did Mangrove for what we saw of it. Mm-hmm. The, all of these feel like a film and it it's really you've got to see it to believe it and this is being shown on tv so you have got no excuse yeah um for lovers rock in particular because mangrove
1: was based on a particular story yeah um and am i'm assuming would have seen it from start to end whereas this takes everyday people and everyday occurrences you know there's no um great story to this. Essentially, you know, this isn't Star Wars, um, but takes these people and it's a celebration of their culture, uh, particularly the music of that culture. Um, It's a celebration of people in that community coming together and just having a good time. There Mm. are moments... In it of, um, sort of uh, arguments and and, and such. Yeah. You know, not it's like a family. Not everybody gets on all the time. Mm. But this is actually the beginning of a story, because it's the beginning of a love story. Yeah. That we see blossoming throughout the night and then into the next day. Um, it's it's a feel good film in many ways yeah. as well. And and I think, it's a a part of culture and British culture that isn't seen. Yeah, and I I I just thought it was great. I I really did. Yeah, I I had a smile on my face throughout most of it, because it was just very good. Yeah, I highly recommend people watch it when it comes out on the BBC. Absolutely. I'm assuming there'll be, BBC America might play It's, it. it's being released on the internet in America. I know they're British stories, but they're universal stories. This open New
0: York Film Festival. Did it? Yeah. Oh, or nice. it's going to. Yeah. Either open or going to open? Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's. It really is amazing, and mm-hmm. I cannot wait to watch the rest of Small Acts. Mm-hmm. So that concludes our coverage for Be a and Film Festival Twenty Twenty. Yes, overall pretty good. Yes, yes, very yeah, good, damn good. Yeah, it's very different to Fright Fest. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, we've got Fright Fest coming this week, so you'll uh, probably hear that mentioned in an upcoming episode at some point.
1: Um, and then we're never watching another film again. bad <laughs> enough.
0: <laughs> so, if you're listening on social media, have you been to London Film Festival? Been partaking in it? Is there anything you look forward to? We're Horracle cool Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horracle cool Trash on Twitter. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like, and follow on everything else, follow us on Spotify. I'm F 205 on Instagram, Night 92 on Twitter, and gas 92 on Letterboxd.
1: I am scared to give you my details because I think people might be disagreeing with a lot of my yeah. uh, opinions on this episode, but I am ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd,
0: Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, and we will be back on Tuesday with our next Halloween Classics episode. Where we will be discussing Stanley Kubrick's masterpiece, The Shining. Oh! either going to be a very long episode or a two part, one or, or two. Oh, I'll shut the good. fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Razzie nominated film, The Shining. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is The Shining. Something to get into. Um, yeah. So we will see you on Tuesday. Bye.